0: Hello everyone and welcome back to Cloud Content. In this second episode I sat down with Under the Mayo, an analytical gaming and film YouTuber who garnered a large level of support this year around his content relating to the game Doom Eternal. In this episode I asked him how he got started making YouTube videos, where his love for video games came from, and what he's most proud about with regards to his content and channel. If you have any questions relating to this episode, or would just like to get in contact with the podcast, you can email us at johnson.business.yt at gmail.com. With that housekeeping out the way, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Perfect. So I'm joined by Under the Mayo today. Thank you so much for taking time out. Uh, first of all, my one question, and I know you've been asked it before, but just for my own listeners' sake, where did the name come from, Under the Mayo?
1: Oh, man. If I had a dollar for every time <laughs> I got asked. Um... <clears throat> I guess because people see the name they're like that's a strange name where did that come from uh I was um I was working in a restaurant many many years ago and I mean this is not a great story but um a friend of mine we used to uh, we used to have a list of things we thought sounded like funny names for a band Mm -hmm. like uh you know like words that went together that just kind of rolled off the tongue Yeah, yeah yeah and um and so uh, I was working at a restaurant and I took an order, cheeseburger or something for table 33 or whatever. And then like five minutes later, that table said, hey, can I add something? They wanted to add something like onions or something. So I went into the kitchen. I said, hey, uh, table 33 wants to add onions to the burger. Can you do that? And the cook said, where do you want me to put it on the burger? <laughs> and I, I- I, I just, I locked up. I didn't know what to say because this, I mean, just put it on the burger, right? Like, I don't need to specify exactly where on the burger to put the onions. And so my brain just kind of froze. And I said, I don't know, just put it under the mayo, I guess. <laughs> and God. just the, those words under the mayo just kind of flow off, you know, like, you know, like a name like Marilyn Manson. Like the per, the the percussiveness, the flow of the, the movement of the mouth, it's just very smooth yeah. and so it's one. i i added it to the list of 30 band names that we had and uh i didn't think about it again for like for for years and then in 2010 i think i started playing black ops just because i was you know i was bored and wasn't really hanging out with anyone so i, I decided to play a multiplayer game i got black ops and i needed a online name for my ps3 account mm-hmm. so I was, uh, i'll go with under the mayo i guess and then the rest is history i guess
0: what an odd question though for because i worked in hospitality for three years and i don't think i've ever been asked anything so bizarre by a chef in my
1: life right like like what would you say you've got six tables you got all this pressure on you and then the <laughs> cook asks you where to put something on a burger and i, I, I didn't know what to say
0: it could elicit some pretty you know, explicit thing... response if you wanted to,
1: but I doubt that's yeah, what you want to be saying I, I just, to the coach. I just went with the first thing that came to my mind, as is, uh, put it under the mayo, I guess. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. You kind of mentioned it's that you yeah, had like... Stupid little story. Yeah. But you mentioned you had like a list of like 30,
0: 30 names. Was, why, was it, why did under the mayo then stick out to you? Was there any particular reason or was it just kind of, ah, that's the first one I see?
1: Uh, it was just the one that just kind of stayed in my head the longest because mm-hmm. I eventually i didn't have that list anymore and i remembered a few names and just that was just the one that kind of popped in my head and i was like okay i'll go with that
0: do you no ever, real reason
1: do you ever worry like a little bit like
0: maybe maybe you don't but like say if you one day like you've obviously blown up a lot in the past few months but you've been doing youtube for a couple of years uh, do you ever worry that like if you got to like a million subscribers or people everyone would be like oh there's under the mayo or something or do you mind that being sort of your name online
1: uh, I mean, I'm used to it. I mean, people have been calling me Mayo for nine years now, so it's it's fine. Yeah, but it, it just seems in my head,
0: like whenever I think about it, like, because Mayo is obviously a condiment, like you know, <laughs> just right. like for the fact that like
1: it just the, has the word lost meaning for you now, or is it just? Well, everyone asks me if I love putting mayo on everything. And uh, I mean, on a sandwich, sure, it's great. You know, I don't really (laughs) eat that much mayo and I don't eat that many sandwiches either. Um, But I mean, I'm fine with being called it because I made my YouTube channel during the Mortal Kombat 9 strategy days. And Hmm. there are two other players in the Mortal Kombat scene. There are twin brothers named Ketchup and Mustard. Yeah. And so, I just became very comfortable with the mayo name because hey, there's two other condiments in the community anyway, so that's cool.
0: There's definitely some good spots. everyone asked ideas me there.
1: like, everyone asks me like, so what is under the mayo? And uh, I'm, I mean, my answer is always I, bread, right? I mean, like, what other <laughs> what other answer could there be? Right? You don't put mayo on top of something other than bread, so.
0: Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs>
1: That's a good answer Yeah, it's, it's a riveting conversation we're having here. <laughs> <laughs> um let's talk a
0: little bit about your content then. So most people will know you uh, I know you started off with Mortal Kombat originally, but most people will know you for your Doom content and more specifically Doom Eternal because uh, that's kind of where your channel mm-hmm. blew up I think around 8 months ago now when the first game when the game first came out. But people right. I think often dis- so, in like associate your channel with solely Doom which you know even to me when i was first researching your channel uh, after watching you for a few months that was my first initial impression but when you look at your most viewed videos uh, only one of them out of the top five is a doom eternal video so how would you describe right. your youtube content
1: i like my content being analysis focused design focused you know um strategy focused i i like talking about things that i think are really interesting in the design of games you'll notice that i don't talk a whole a lot about the music or the art style in games. i'm usually talking about their systems how they play mm-hmm. um and when the doom eternal content took off that was totally unexpected uh because for a few years one of my best friends kept telling me, hey, you should really focus on YouTube stuff. And I was like, "Ah, no, I don't know if I want to do that. But uh, in 2019, I had the idea to do my big God of War, uh, how God of War was ruined video. Mm-hmm. And I put like 300 hours into it. It's almost an hour long. And I, I, it's up there with my best work, I think. And I had no expectations for it. I released it on the anniversary of the game. And I was like, this could get 200 views. It could get 200,000 views. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And... The first was true. It got like a thousand views in a year. So I was like, okay, that's fine. And then I did a, a little Resident Evil 3 video later and a best of later in the year. And so given the success or the lack of success of that God of War video and all the work that I put into it, which is something that many YouTubers are familiar with. I mean, the most most people on YouTube put a lot of work into videos and then they see nothing for it. Hmm. And so when I put out the Marauder video, I wasn't expecting anything. I thought maybe a few hundred people, maybe a thousand might see it. Mm-hmm. It was just say, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to say this because no one else seems to be saying it, or if they're saying it, they're not saying it the right way. And uh, I put it out there and. Oh, 200 views on oh, the next day, 500 views the next day, 2000 views. Oh, wow. Okay. And then the next day, 10,000 views. Holy shit. What's going on? Uh, and so I saw that it was taken off and but not only was it getting the views, I was also getting the subscribers, hmm. and that's like that's a big thing because you'll see videos out there on YouTube that have millions of views on a channel that only has a few thousand subscribers. Hmm. Uh, so, views do not necessarily translate to people subscribing to your channel. But I was getting both, and I was like, okay, so people like the video, but they're they're also interested to see what I might do next, and uh, so I very quickly. Put out videos talking about things that were not Doom Eternal. If you look at that, if you go back to the Marauder video in March, the next few videos talk about the future of my channel. I do a video talking about uh, Prison Architect. I do a video Mm -hmm. talking about Mortal Kombat 9, Quan Chi. I wanted to send a message very strongly and very quickly that uh, I am interested in taking this channel seriously, but I am not a Doom channel. Mm -hmm. Now, I have done like 40 videos about Doom Eternal, but that's because I'm I'm so interested in its design, and I find the conversation very stimulating. Um, but the last thing I, w- I want to be is just a channel that talks about Doom because I talk about Doom because of how interesting its systems are, and I see very interesting systems in other games as well, and, and not just action games and in, in all kinds of games. Mm-hmm. Despite your despite your big audience coming in from Doom Eternal, were you surprised
0: to see? that, you know, even your God of War video you talked about saw a resurgence and kind of blew up on its own right as well. Were you surprised to see it get a lot more views?
1: Uh, Yeah, I was surprised because I didn't know how this YouTube thing works. I guess I still don't. Hmm. Um, But yeah, like, I guess people started going back into my content and watching that video and then it started getting picked up because I guess it had high retention Uh, and so it just started getting picked up in the algorithm and now it's now I feel like it got the views that deserved and so uh, i'm really happy about that Mm
0: -hmm. you talked a little bit earlier about you know how you started off with mortal Kombat, and then we talked a bit about doom and god of war but what initially was your kind of drive for making youtube videos because obviously at the beginning it wasn't your typical analytical style content so what was the main
1: drive at the beginning um well i have to give a little bit of history here Uh, when Mortal Kombat 9 came out in 2011, the competitive scene was in its infancy. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Like uh, Street Fighter, Marvel vs. Capcom, Tekken, they've had established tournament scenes since the 90s. And Mortal Kombat never really did. I mean, there were competitive tournaments, right? But you never saw Mortal Kombat on the world stage at Evo or anything. Mm -hmm. And with Mortal Kombat 9, that was the first game to actually do that. And so it had this huge influx of Mortal Kombat players who wanted to take the game seriously on a competitive level. But because it was so young and no one knew what they were doing and we didn't have talented people in the community who knew how to produce quality video content, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And so you'd have someone making a post on a Mortal Kombat forum with some kind of new tech discovery strategy for Melina and but the video would be just like their 2009 cell phone leaning against a book filming the television (laughs) and while they're while they're trying to uh to do the move and they fail like four times in a row but they don't edit that out of the video and then they they Put that into some free video editor and then they put white text over it with no shadow so you can't read it and then they put death metal music over it <laughs> it's just like <laughs> like the the state of mortal combat strategy videos was embarrassing <laughs> and i would and i i had a years experience with uh video editing not, not on a pro level but i've always kind of had an eye for editing and pacing and, and flow and stuff like that mm-hmm. And, uh and I've always had kind of a narrative voice as well ever since I was you know a teenager so uh I wanted to talk about my character Quan Chi and mm-hmm. I, I said okay you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna step up man somebody needs to make a badass strategy guide for a character but something that is chill something you can sit back and have a snack and and watch and, and not just learn from but enjoy
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh and so I you know, wrote I wrote a script recorded it, you know, put, did, put the transitions in there, got the gameplay, clearly said what it was. I put some Silent Hill music in the background. And that's why you, you can't see my old Mortal Kombat stuff anymore, because it all got blocked because it uses copyrighted music. Hmm. But it was fine in 2011. And so I, I put it out there. and I was like, hey, I just uploaded this video. I put it on the forums. I like, hey, here's my video. And it just blew up. Um, there were suddenly there was an influx of like thousands of new Quan Chi players online, you know, wreaking havoc <laughs> And uh and the, I just got known as the guy who made cool strategy guides and the guy who studied the game on like a mathematical level.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's how I started really developing strategies that were based around uh meter building strategies and stuff like that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh that was what that's what I did for uh for a few years. And that that was what my channel was created for and what it focused on.
0: Mm-hmm that's actually it's interesting that you brought up that your initial content was kind of you know it was obviously strategy based content in the sense but it was also meant to be enjoyed and entertained and at your own leisure and like that obviously that still follows over i think to your even your videos that you create now even though the more analytical stuff because your videos Mm -hmm. majority bar a few outliers are generally you know 10 to 15 minutes long and they focus on very key elements of say a game you want to talk about but it's done in a way that it's presented that you could almost passively have it on in the background and just listen to which i think is a skill that most youtubers struggle to kind of get right so i think you do that in a really interesting way so i'm glad to hear that that was kind of your beginning offset idea as well and that's definitely something that's carried through through the years i think
1: Um, well i appreciate that that's definitely one of my goals i'm my favorite youtube channels um you know if we're talking about something like red Letter media or something mm-hmm. uh um but yeah like i can throw on an episode of best of the worst while i'm cooking and even if i've already seen the episode like 10 times it's just soothing mm-hmm. to to hear the video in the background because of its flow and its editing and all that kind of stuff and so i take a lot of influence from from those kinds of videos that i that i like to repeat view almost like i would a music album
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh so that the entertainment aspect of videos is really important and sometimes that leads to me cutting sections of videos that i think are important to discuss and just because maybe it goes on too long and and uh, distracts from the flow
0: yeah of course because i think even from a sense uh, when we were talking about you know how youtube kind of picks up videos there a while back and having media that's very easily bingeable which i think your stuff kind of is uh is a lot more beneficial for YouTube, I think, in that sense. So if someone comes across your channel, but say they don't have the time to dedicate and sit down and actively watch a video, you know, your content very much caters to the people who, you know, want to do, as you said, do a bit of cooking in the background or whatnot and, you know, kind of just listen mm-hmm. away. And I think YouTube, in a sense, kind of caters to that in sense of, and you talked about, you know, a video, you don't want it to get too long or too, extra, too you know, extra. But, you know, YouTube videos, I think in general are, are either catered to be 10 minutes long or an hour long. And there's this sort of that, like, bit in the middle that you know it's the you know the uncharted area like you would you won't see on youtube many 20 minute 30 minute videos it'll usually be either relatively short or extremely long which i think is kind of the sweet spot for most people so you definitely have that down especially you know you talk about your you know more concise views like something like your dusk review i think is about just over 10 minutes long but then your god of war yeah. video is an hour an hour over long so it, it kind of caters to yeah. both those
1: yeah, it depends on what you're talking about. Usually, if I'm on a focused topic, mm-hmm. uh, and I I never set out to make a short or a long video. I just start writing my script,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I just put it together. And then, however long it is, that's how long it is. It just happens to be where that that uh, six to ten minute time is is good for a single topic. And if I'm diving deeper into something, if I have a lot of strong feelings about something, that's when I start getting 40 plus. That's when you get into mm-hmm. my Devil May Cry 5 video and God of War and Alien Isolation. And where it doesn't happen often, um, but occasionally I am inspired to go in hard on something. And when I do, I'm never trying to make it an hour. It just ends up that way. And a lot of times I've actually cut it down. Mm-hmm. Like I, uh, the Alien Isolation video is like i want to say it's 50 minutes it was an hour i cut i cut 10 minutes out of it um but uh yeah like things just end up
0: how they how they end up Mm -hmm. you you recently sort of you i think you rebranded one of your series to people have been asking me to play um and your most Mm -hmm. recent video on that series was on hades Uh, so obviously these recommendations for games are coming from your viewers or your subscribers or whatnot have there been games that they've recommended to you and you've started playing and you're like okay i'm gonna do a review on this but then you found that you just don't enjoy the game so you just scrapped a script idea completely
1: uh well that is actually not the way i approach it i never go into a game with the intention of reviewing it Mm -hmm. i go into a game neutral to play and enjoy the game and if i observe things and the experience inspires me to talk about it then i make the decision to make a video Mm -hmm. so yeah people have sent me games like this is weird um because I have a channel that talks about games, people assume that I play everything and I, I don't, I've never been that way my whole life. Uh, my, my whole life I've played two or three games a year, but the games I play, I go, I go in deep with them,
2: mm-hmm. and I,
1: I play them like religiously and I love to analyze them. And there's positives and negatives to that it, the positive is that I have a really deep understanding of these games that I love, but I, the negative is that I miss out on a lot of stuff
2: mm-hmm.
1: and, uh, so this year has been very strange because a lot of people in my community are just gifting me games. I'm not complaining. that I mean, they're free games. It's great, right? But I'm not used to that. I'm not used to playing seven to ten different games a month. That is just crazy to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and the majority of games that I play, uh, I play them for a few hours, and I'm like, mm, okay, I get it. Eh, fine. All right. And I don't really have anything to say. A video would be like a minute. Um, and so... Uh, I take people's recommendations. I always take them seriously. I always try to go in with an open mind and give it a chance. Um, and occasionally, something will, will you know, hit that spark where I'm like, oh wow, this would be interesting to talk about. Uh, whether I like something or not, if I think it would be interesting to talk about it, then then I will, and then I, I start getting into the you know artistic inspiration. Hmm. You know, that's why I, I, I'm never going to talk about Dark Souls because. I don't want to talk about Dark Souls. There's nothing that inspires me to talk about it. But a game like Titanfall Two, um, like the issues I have with Titanfall Two, I thought were interesting conversation points, interesting things to talk about and think about. Mm-hmm. And, and that's much better to, do, to do, that's much better to do a video on than something that I just simply don't like for personal reasons.
0: Mm-hmm. Have you um? So you did. Uh... I think so. I'm not sure how long ago this video was now. It's not too long ago, but it was you reviewing uh, different movies and sort of re- recommending them to your subscribers. Have you thought about doing yeah. something maybe in the similar sort of format, you know, kind of doing quick reviews on games that your viewers have say gifted you?
1: Um no. No, I don't think so because uh that movie series is not like I'm not just casually talking about movies that I think are just fine mm-hmm. i'm i'm quickly presenting movies that i think are great or have something really great about them and that is a very long list of movies and that would be a very short list of games
0: mm-hmm.
1: um if i did that for games i would run out of games to talk about in about three months <laughs> um
0: let's just so what about games then, and specifically in in specificity is like what why do you love them so much like what is it about games that kind of you know encourages you to kind of play them or even just to make content on them
1: um i guess the games that i like the most are the ones that inspire me to look deeper into their systems you know like to really figure out how they're played um i love a game with with great pacing with great flow um but like people seem to think all I want is a good fast action game when it's just not true. I mean, sure. Some of my favorite games are like that, but Mm -hmm. if Silent Hill one, two, and three are one of my favorite, some of my favorite games of all time, obviously I don't need everything to be a fast tight action experience. I mean, the action in those games is like the the least good thing about them. Um, It's hard to put my finger on what I like about a game. I just, I guess I just need to feel like all of its elements work together and complement each other. I guess that's the best way I can put it.
0: Mm -hmm. Is there there any game you've particularly enjoyed in the past or you're enjoying right now that you might think about,
1: you know, doing a video on the future that you haven't got around to yet? I would love to do a big video about Prey. I talked about Prey twice in my Alien Isolation Mm -hmm. video and my Alien Compared to Prey video. Uh, but Prey is such a complicated experience that I would really need to just sit sit down for a month and, and dedicate myself to it. And I'm just not mentally prepared to do that. But, <laughs> this yeah, is the, um... Of course there's games.
0: Hmm? This is the Bethesda title for people wondering, is it?
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Prey 2017. Perfect, yeah. Um, which is a game that I absolutely love. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's games. There's so many games that I would like to talk about. Um fear from 2005 I'd like hmm. to talk about. I want to talk about this Res- resistance, the first PlayStation title. Um you know, some shooters, but there's also, you know, uh indie games like Slay the Spire. I definitely want to talk about that someday. Um I'm going to do a video soon on emily is Away, which is a free-to-play conversation simulator. Hmm. Um but a lot of these games, games that I know that I want to talk about are those are low priority for me because they're not time sensitive. If, if something comes out like Hades and I play it, I'd like, I'll, I'll give that priority. I'd rather talk about that now when people are talking about it, Mm -hmm. than talk about it in two months. Uh, and so if, if something is time sensitive that I'm working on, I'll put that as priority. I'm going to talk about the new doom eternal master level before I publish a video on yeah, like an indie game from five years ago that I want to talk about because I can come back to that stuff whenever I want it.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, let's, so you, a couple of months ago again, and I know I've been saying a couple of months ago, but it's important to remember that a lot of your main content is sort of, sort of surfaced in the last few months. You started up a podcast, the Doom Eternal Unofficial podcast with uh, p and Ketchup and The Spot Hunter. How did that opportunity come about?
1: I've known Ketchup uh, like not knowing him, I mean, we've chatted because we both played Quan Chi in Mortal Kombat X and mm-hmm. uh, he got into YouTube stuff in that year and we we just kind of started talking because we were both playing Doom Eternal and he said he really liked my content and I was like, hey, we should do something together because I always wanted to do something with him and I was like, man, maybe we, I, I said, we should start a podcast or something because no one had a Doom podcast mm-hmm. and uh, so there was so much to talk about. And so we started looking for a guest uh, for another host and he, uh, he recommended this Spud Hunter. I think, I think that was his recommendation. And then I didn't know him. So uh, uh, we got in touch, we put it together and it just happened. Right. It was, I, I put it together. So, I mean, that's kind of why I act as host. That's just my personality. Right. And, <laughs> um, but uh, it is a very open format. Anybody can talk about whatever they want and uh, it's, I don't know, it's, it's been going pretty good we have a new episode coming out um tomorrow morning actually we had we got uh, it's an interview with the creator of dusk david zemansky
0: oh exciting i'll really be looking forward to that one because uh, actually uh, funny enough actually you bring up dusk because I-, I actually had no idea what dusk was until your video introduced me to it and now it's i think it's one of my most played games on steam i absolutely adore it um so I suppose... Oh,
1: yeah, man. I'm, I'm so proud to have given that game more exposure.
0: Mm-hmm. Actually, that that actually brings up an interesting topic because you've done a few um, videos on, you know, games that possibly aren't as much in the limelight as, say, you know, games like Doom Eternal and whatnot. Is there any game uh, in particular that you think you've actively contributed to bringing more traction to it?
1: Yeah, Duskers, for sure. Mm-hmm. Duskers, that video took off. I had no idea why. And uh the the sales of it definitely went up and there was a huge influx of new players into their discord community so um yeah I that and uh into the breach as well yeah uh, like uh those, those two and the, the dusk video those three I have definitely brought uh new people to those games and uh that's that's the whole point right mm-hmm. like sometimes I get accused of making these videos like commercials and I'm like well, yeah. like i'm trying to tell people why these games are so great and then why they should play them so yeah
0: have you had any of the like developers of that from those two games you know reach out to you to say that you know thanks
1: for doing this or whatnot um no i mean they don't they don't write to me and say hey thanks for talking about my game uh but uh i have had a little twitter correspondence with the creator of duskers Mm -hmm. um and so i mean he he was very happy to see it and like uh i don't remember what he said maybe he said thank you for making the video i don't remember it was months ago hmm. but i'm sure he was happy to see it and that people were appreciating his game and also cry of fear i, I published a video on that in october and that actually did really well hmm. and the creator of that game commented on there and, and said thanks for making the video and, and showing off his game so uh hmm. yeah so yeah there's there's definitely been some appreciation out there feels good
0: yeah 100 i am like especially for those smaller creators as well i think it's always great because it 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 probably is a beneficial sense in both ways because one you're making a video on a game that doesn't have as much exposure so then if people start looking for it you know yours is going to be high up in the search results and whatnot and plus it's also a game you enjoy Mm -hmm. but also for them as well you know it gives them some exposures from creators as well so sales only go up for them so it's a win-win for i think both you and the creator in that sense
1: yeah uh, i'm starting to get contacted by uh more indie developers who are sending me like steam codes to try out their game because you know, they, they want me to talk about it. Right. Mm-hmm. Of course. And it's good for me. Cause I, you know, I can talk about it and get the traffic, you know, it's a mutual relationship, but uh, I, I haven't actually talked about anything that's been sent to me other than BPM. Uh, but there are some other games out there that uh, I try out and it's just, I can never promise a developer that I'll make a video. Like uh, I don't want to get into that habit. Uh, I'll make a video if I want to talk about it.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things I mentioned before we started recording Was uh, that some of your older videos Had been, you know, one of them is You speedrunning Resident Evil And obviously since then on the podcast That we talked about you had Carl Jobston who's obviously very well known uh, Amongst the speedrunning community Like he pretty much, you know, I think he's I think it would be arguable to say that he's the granddaddy Of all speedrunning content on YouTube But is there maybe
1: Um, um, Depending on on Your scene, you know, summoning salt uh he's you know he, he's a bigger channel he gets you know he has bigger videos but his stuff is more like nintendo focused or like
2: mm-hmm.
1: a lot of his stuff is like mario kart punch out stuff like that and then carl jobs is where you're gonna find stuff like doom and golden mm-hmm. eye so but uh but yeah carl jobs is definitely like up there like he his his face would be on the mount rushmore of speedrunning content for sure <laughs>
0: Um, do you see yourself maybe returning to speedrunning at some stage, maybe with even Doom Eternal, or
1: no, no, I don't. Uh, um, speedrunning to me ruins games. Uh, like I, the only reason I s- did a speedrun for Resident Evil is because I've been playing that game for twenty years and I know it inside and out, and so I was like, hey, I'm gonna learn how to speedrun it. That looks fun. Mm-hmm. But once you speedrun a game, you can't unsee that. You can't unsee the code, right? you'll never be scared of a zombie again if you learn how to speed run you'll never be scared of a dog you'll never walk around that corner and be like oh man i don't remember if, if there's a zombie here or not i better be, better be careful you can never have that experience again mm-hmm. and i can't casually play resident evil ever again uh and you know that's okay i i got everything i could out of that game uh and so that's why i will never speed run doom or doom eternal because i still like the, I still like the not knowing. I mean there's obviously things that I've memorized just out of habit, but I I never want to break down the game and and memorize where every enemy is going to spawn and when and wh- what kill triggers what enemy arriving and what combo is best and what part and I just I I never want to think about the game that way because um because I because i like the improvisation of it i like the mm-hmm. i like the chaotic moments
0: that's what keeps it fun to me mm-hmm. does that um so that actually brings up an interesting point because in your last video about Hades you know obviously Hades is a game that you know if you if you go into a new room it's going to be different from than the last time you played it do you think there's a a good niche there would you enjoy something along that lines if
1: it was in the doom eternal format um well like room randomizations and stuff like that. I don't think that would be possible in a AAA game like Doom, uh, but uh, randomized enemy encounters could be cool, but like they meticulously lay out how fights go, hmm. right? Like here, here's five Cyber Mancubi, and when you kill two of them, now the pain elementals show up. Like it's all, it's all very meticulously thought out. And so, just having random enemies appear in there, um, I just, I, I don't know if that would be the right thing to do. You you need to have this stuff well thought out. Mm-hmm. Now, I would like some randomization. Like, I would like, um, I'd like tentacle placement to be randomized, like stuff like that. Um, but uh, other than that, I like I like Doom being a structured experience. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, with regards to say like um. You know, we we talked a little bit about Doom, but, you know, your videos very much are, you know, strategy sort of guides, almost, you know, trying out new variants for mods of weapons and everything and kind of testing all that stuff out. Are you a fan of the,
1: the story of Doom Eternal? Yeah, I, I am. I'm I, I think it's cool. I know it and but that's as far as i go with it i don't watch videos that explain like in the first month i watched some videos explaining what was going on and i read some of the stuff and i was like oh this is cool i like this i like i like the story of it a lot Mm -hmm. but i don't go any further than that that's just not my interest i'm not going to you know spend years examining it like i am the silent hill series or something Mm -hmm. i like the setup i like the characters and then that's about as far as i go
0: yeah. If we're going to talk about just uh, cuz obviously Doom Eternal still has another DLC to come out in this season, Age of Gods Part 2. How do you think they're going to expand upon what was already a fantastic first DLC?
1: Well, I mean, we'll have some new enemy types. Mm-hmm. If I I don't expect a new weapon, though, uh I could imagine maybe a new grenade type. Mm-hmm. And um god, it's I think that there's going to be enemies that mix things up more, right? Like, like the Marauder, right? When, when there's a Marauder in a fight, the fight feels different. Mm -hmm. And like a Marauder in the room with a couple of barons feels totally different than a Marauder when you're surrounded by fog and there's a single turret shooting at you. Mm -hmm. Like it feels totally different, even though it's the same enemy. And that's what's so cool about Doom Eternal is how they're able to make things feel very fresh by changing the environment, changing the situation, changing the enemy types. And uh, like like a room, that you can have a, a crazy room, right? And if you take that same crazy fight and now you add carcasses, like things, like things are different now. Things have changed. Uh, and that's what I really like about it. And that's what I like about the new enemy types as well. Right? Like a fight... That contains a spirit feels different a fight that contains blood makers feels different mm-hmm. and i'm expecting more enemy types that mix things up and i think people are worried that the next enemy types are gonna i guess follow the trend of the first dlc enemy types and i i don't i don't see that happening uh, because the spirit can only be killed with the microwave beam. Okay. But that's the only weapon. That's the only enemy that functions that way. Mm-hmm. The Bloodmaker is invulnerable until it opens itself up. And that's the only enemy that functions like that. And so I'm not expecting more enemies that function like that. I'm expecting other enemies that function their own ways. And mm-hmm. I think it'll be fun.
0: Yeah, of course. I, um, I know you made a video on it recently, but if they brought in the uh, zombie chain gunners as well like i i don't know how like me trying to comprehend how they would make already such a fantastic game even better like it feels like you know the way they always say that there's there's no limit to like how far you can go but i feel like these like in my mind can't even comprehend what they do better at this stage it feels like they've done yeah. so much like um because even recently i went back to play doom 2016 and i just i just can't like it's just impossible to go back from something that i had a hard time, time as well yeah because it seemed so like, it's obviously a great game, and it felt so much more great at the time as well, but going back to it now, it feels so simplistic in comparison.
1: Yeah, and uh, that's never happened to me, right? Like, uh, Mortal Kombat 3 doesn't make Mortal Kombat 2 unplayable. Hmm. Resident Evil 2 doesn't make Resident Evil 1 unplayable. Like, that, it's never happened to me, ever, where I love a game so much, and then the sequel comes out, and I can't play the first one anymore. That's the first time for me, and that's just incredible.
0: Mm-hmm. I, think, I think interesting enough like because I'm i I'm probably in the minority I think more people are going to appreciate it but I, I actually quite like Doom 3 um. but like I think maybe it's the sense that it's just such a different game that when I go back to it I almost don't think of it in the same realm as you know Doom 2016 and Doom Eternal it just seems like such a completely different franchise at that stage that I kind of still can enjoy it for what it is
1: if that makes sense yeah yeah I mean Doom 3 is its own thing and that's fine Doom can exist in many different ways
0: mm-hmm could you could you like knowingly now? Could you go back to say, you know, nineteen ninety three Doom and Doom Two, like without without mods or whatever, and play that casually, or would that just not be interesting to you?
1: I do that regularly, actually. Mm-hmm. I like going back and playing the old game. I especially like playing Final Doom.
0: Yeah, one hundred percent.
1: So we've been talking about your
0: channel for a little bit. What aspect of your channel would you say you're probably most proud of?
1: Um... I really like focusing on perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when when someone says that something is bad, I mean, sometimes it is bad, but sometimes it is a matter of perspective. Maybe you're looking at something the wrong way or maybe it's the wrong approach. You know, we've all had those moments where like we saw a movie and we didn't like it and then 10 years we watched it again and we're like, oh, wait, actually, this is pretty great. Like the movie didn't change, you changed, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm really happy that... Some of my videos on Doom Eternal have helped people enjoy the game more, right? Um, the Marauder is the big e- example of that, right? Like there's people who did not like fighting the Marauder. And mm-hmm. then they watched one of my videos on him. And then it just clicked. And suddenly they're like, oh, yeah. And, and it, it's not about telling them the secret to killing the Marauder. That's not it. It's about changing your perspective of how to enjoy the fight against him. Mm-hmm and how to enjoy the game better as a whole. Maybe there's an aspect of the game that you didn't like. And I was like, well, maybe if you think about how that aspect is making you better in other areas, right? Like the platforming in Doom Eternal. I mean, the platforming isn't anything special, but it does teach new players very valuable skills in combat. When you're doing platforming, you are uh, timing your double air dash to reach long distances you are spinning around in the air quickly you're shooting targets in the air there's uh you're, you're managing you're managing your dash recharges mm-hmm. you're you're climbing up on surfaces there's and all of that stuff directly translates to the combat arena you're doing all those things in combat mm-hmm. so if you get to the point where you're flying through the platforming sections that has actually made you a better fighter and you don't even realize it you don't even realize that you're moving better in the combat arenas because of what the platforming sections put you through. And so I think that a lot of this stuff has to do with perspective. And I've gotten a lot of messages from people that that say that they've watched my videos and that I've helped them enjoy the game more and that maybe they, they didn't love the game the first time they played it, and then they watched my videos, and they watched my beginner's guide or whatever, mm-hmm. and then they played it again, and now they absolutely love it. That's probably what I'm the most proud of on my channel.
0: Yeah, because it's actually it's interesting that you bring up the platforming again, because there's a really, um, whenever I hear people talk about Doom Eternal, who probably don't dedicate it as much time to it as maybe the average player of Doom would, you know, the one thing I always hear is, oh, the platforming is, you know, either it's substandard or it takes you away from the action. But the way I've always seen the platforming of Doom Eternal is it's it's kind of more of an interactive tutorial that doesn't feel like a tutorial. Like there's always the question of how how do you seamlessly put a tutorial into a game without it feeling forced? And games like, I don't know if you played uh, the Far Cry uh, 3 Blood Dragon, like it has a very sort of witty way of kind of introducing the player to new items by kind of making fun of the whole, you know, basic tutorial and games like here's how to run, here's how to crouch. But Doom kind of makes it feel like, part of the gameplay without you knowing that it's a tutorial of how to get around the place which I think is really interesting
1: yeah yeah it's pretty cool speaking
0: on Doom Eternal just a little bit more though obviously it's tonight's the night for the game awards Um, the it's been nominated for quite a few you know bits Game of the Year Score Audio Design Best Action are you confident that it'll win because obviously there's a really good lineup for games this year and I think Game of the Year is the most contentious one to be honest Uh, and Score as well has some good some really fantastic music in it as well uh, obviously Ori and the Will of the Wisps is one of my favorites but I'm kind of do I want it to win do I want Doom to win because Doom's music is fantastic as well do you think there's any
1: category that it that it has the
0: best chance of winning in
1: um I think that it um I think that it deserves I mean like obviously I think it deserves game of the year right but mm-hmm. like it all those games are so different right like how do you how do you really say which one is the best it's hard yeah I go with doom eternal because i think what it i think what it does in its priority of its systems and its design is very important and i don't see that in the other games um i think that it objectively deserves best action game Mm -hmm. and best sound design because not only is the sound design i'm not i'm not talking about music i'm talking about sound design the the way that doom communicates information to the player through sound is brilliant mm-hmm. that, that that you can play the game with no hud and always know when you have chainsaw blood punch grenades and flame belts just by the sound yeah like that's it's, it's so good i think it deserves to win that
0: yeah even for telegraphed attacks as well like sound is a key factor like you mentioned the marauder earlier like obviously you can th- you can even imagine the sound it makes in your head without even having to yeah. see it um and as well yeah, with the so
1: many enemies Hmm.
0: You hear a marauder go,
1: bro <laughs> and yeah. you're like, oh, shit, there's a marauder here.
0: <laughs> Even with the tyrant as well, like, you know, you can you can hear when he's about to launch his missiles as well. Um, mm-hmm. But the visual representation of the the glyphs on the ground as well obviously point that out. But the, oh, what's the one thing I was going to say? Yeah, the, actually, it brings back an interesting point because you are talking about Game of the Year and the games are so different. I always find it interesting because looking at this year, like you can argue that The Last of Us 2 is obviously a very contentious issue for most people. Well, for people, I think very active in the gaming community. I think outside of it, it's a little bit less contentious. But it brings up an interesting question because Doom is obviously not very story-based. It's much more gameplay-driven. Like the gameplay is what sells Doom Eternal. But I think for most people when playing The Last of Us, it's the story that, you know, is first and foremost. And then gameplay is kind of just an added on. So like, what is it? do you think is that like the main what is the core thing that makes a game a game of the year is it the story is it the gameplay is it a mix of the both or does it just really depend
1: man i don't i don't know i feel like a lot of it comes down to a selection of games that makes people feel like they're not playing with toys when really they are playing with toys (laughs) you know like like these ultra serious games which i mean fine you know they're great games but like like with God of War 2018 right like when that game came out and it just felt so it felt so okay now let's be serious this is a serious <laughs> art form now this is not a video game this is art like and i'm just like come on fuck off man <laughs> like, uh, and, right and so You know, that's where you get, you know, Last of Us 2 and that's where you and uh, Ghost of Tsushima. I'm not I'm not saying that Ghost of Tsushima is a bad game. No, absolutely not. But, you know, it's you know, it's a very serious like we're taking this seriously. This is not just we're not just playing video games here. We're having a a serious artistic experience. And uh, I, I think that's that definitely helps you, you know, like the same thing with Oscar bait, right? Mm hmm. You know, you make a serious drama about the you know the struggle of a Hollywood screenwriter in the nineteen fifties trying to get his script made, and now and no one sees the movie, but it's nominated for best picture, right? Yeah. Um, Like it's we have the same thing in the in the gaming industry, Uh, and it's nice that that something like Doom Eternal also gets nominated when it is a combat focused game, but it also has great art and has great level design and great music. It has everything that it needs to be there. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure that every other nominee does, if that yeah.
0: makes sense. because I always find it interesting. Cause I was even looking, when I was looking at the nominees this year, I was like, who in their right mind, like thought that putting, uh, like, I know it's a meme, but putting animal crossing and doom eternal in the same category for you to then objectively pick which one you think is better. Like when they're two completely different formats, completely. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I, I, think, I think in one way it's interesting for the Game Awards because obviously the Oscars are picked by an associated board or whatever it is. But like obviously the the main lineup is picked by a board for the Game Awards. But then it's the viewership that pick it. So I don't know if there's a sense of like, even if you don't win it, I think probably getting nominated is the real victory because once you put it out into yes. the public realm and you like, you know, people can make like five accounts and vote for the same game they want. Like, so is winning it really that important at the end of the day? Like I, w- I had an interview with... Um, no. Gareth Coker there the other week who's the composer for Ori. And he was saying that like most of the time, because uh, Ori in the Blind Forest got nominated for best score back in twenty fifteen. And he was, and this is uh the year I think yeah, the year just before Mick Gordon won. Um and he was saying that, you know, most of the time, you know, if you get nominated, you're already celebrating because, you know, whether you win it or not is not really the important thing. It's the fact that I think there's such a good standard for games that, you know, it's just down to popularity at that stage, really, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. Mm.
0: so we we were talking just a little bit before we started recording about cyberpunk and you know i was surprised to hear you were playing it uh but the question now is you know obviously we're coming up to game of the year season game awards you know cyberpunk has come out and people have been waiting years for this game do you have any plans on doing a video of it in the future
1: i i'm tossing around the idea of doing a video on it i'm playing it i'm playing it not out of interest but out of Like, it's a big game of the generation, right? Like, Mm -hmm. everyone's going to be talking about this game for a while. And everyone's going to be asking me what I think about it. So I'm playing it. Um, I'm about six hours in, and I have not enjoyed a single moment. (laughs) Um, I think I might hate this game. Um, but I'm going to keep going, right? Cause it's a big game. So I need to play more of it and see what's going on. But so far I'm not impressed with a single aspect of it other than maybe some graphics. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, if I do a video on it, if I, if I continue to feel this way and I do a video like it, I mean, I'll probably be crucified. I'm <laughs> uh, Sorry, man. Like the, I, I, the, the things I see, I, I can't unsee. And, uh, So far i'm having a miserable experience and so i'm sure it'll be a miserable video
0: (laughs) well i I suppose i suppose there's no uh you're not new to the whole thing if you know um you know uh, you know reasonably disliking something that there's a huge cult following behind like you know the new god of war game you know people like it and obviously you know you put support some like actually when i when i watched your video initially you know, I was actually a very big pa- fan of God of War 2018. Not enough to be like, oh, I'll replay it. I don't normally, most of the time, if I play a game like that, I play it once and I enjoy it and then I move on. Mm-hmm. But like when I played it first, I, you know, I enjoyed the story. But when you were explaining all the stuff, it's like, oh yeah, that really is boring combat. Like it feels really tedious, and you're always doing the same stuff over and again. And there's times when I was playing where I was like, I really want to skip this. But I didn't. It didn't clock to me at the time. So you actually you mentioned perspective, and like obviously, I think that's something your videos have done. Like especially with that God of War video, even the Resident Evil Three video as well is another one as well, which kind of got a bit of backlash. But I think it was unnecessary as well because. A lot of the time the people who backlash those videos aren't watching the full thing or are just refusing to take in what you're saying, I think. So um add to the yeah, they, the they, holy they trinity, won't, I think they
1: won't is the... Yeah. The um the Yeah, the... so Cyberpunk, I don't I don't know. What you're saying?
0: And I was just gonna say the Cyberpunk will probably make up the holy trinity of the the Mayo hates these games that everyone loves category will it.
1: Yeah, they're, people are going to say, you want this to be like Doom Eternal. It's like, no, I don't. I want it to be, actually, you know, I'd be a lot happier if it was more similar to Prey, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Actually, um, yeah.
0: but, uh, you know. I, I I noticed on one of your community posts on YouTube, you were talking about how you're going to leave out uh, a part of a video which referenced, uh, I can't remember which game it was, because uh, you were going to reference it to Doom Eternal. Um, and you were going to leave yeah. it out because you didn't want your channel to be exclusively seen as this Doom Eternal channel. But then if you did leave it out, people were going to be like, but it does this in Doom Eternal and, you know, why do you like it there but exactly. not here? Do you Does that annoy you in a certain sense that you ha- kind of have this obligation to compare everything to Doom
1: Eternal? Uh, yeah, well, it's because, you know, in, in some of my earlier videos, I would, I would make the comparison to Doom Eternal. Like I'd talk about Titanfall 2 mm-hmm. and I'd be like, hey, I like the platforming to plat- in Titanfall 2. It's pretty cool. I just wish that it was better integrated into the combat scenarios, like Doom Eternal. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, come on! Like, how can you not make that comparison, right? Yeah. Um, and and they're like, oh, why are you comparing this to Doom Eternal? They're not the same game. I'm like, I know, but like, they share concepts, right? Mm-hmm. And and so. I started getting some people who were saying, you want everything to be like Doom Eternal. I was like, no, I I really don't. I mean, I want things to be well designed, right? And it just happens to be that Doom Eternal is very well designed and that's the game I'm playing right now. Um, And so now I'm in a situation where, like you said, if I make the comparison in a video, then there are people who get upset that I'm comparing it to Doom Eternal. Mm -hmm. But if I don't make the comparison, there will be all these other people who are upset with me for criticizing something that also exists in Doom Eternal, but in a different way. And then they make the false comparison. And now I have to deal with that.
0: So it's a so lose situation. I really can't
1: it's a lose lose situation. I can't do it. And so what what I'm starting to do now is I'm putting in this little two second scene missing clip mm-hmm. where when I come up to a point where I could mention Doom Eternal. I just put this little scene there. And so it, in my Devil May Cry 5 camera video, I uh, I was going to talk about the first levels of Doom Eternal introducing their concepts. And it was like a three minute section. And I was like, you know what, I'm gonna cut it. I'm gonna cut it and see if people actually say the shit that I think they're gonna say, right? And mm-hmm. I just put that little scene missing thing in there to represent that I cut out a section uh, of Doom Eternal. But now, now, um. I'm just putting it in videos at at points in the script where I could talk about Doom Eternal, but I'm not going to. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like like in in my Hades video, I was writing the script and I started talking about how I wish, like I love the mechanics, I love the combat, I love the upgrades and everything, but I wish Hades was more of like a structured eight to 10 hour campaign, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, That I could play all the way through and get the story through there, and then repeat the campaign with the modifiers and the upgrades and stuff like that. Instead of it being four levels that are have like randomly generated aspects, I'd rather have just like a long, dedicated, structured campaign. And my immediate thought was, people are going to be like, "Oh, so like Doom Eternal," (laughs) right? (laughs) And so, and I didn't even write a section talking about Doom Eternal, but I knew that there would be some assholes out there. who who would think that i'm talking about doom eternal just because i said structured campaign even though there's thousands of games with structured campaigns just mentioning something that doom eternal has Mm -hmm. they are gonna think that i'm talking about doom eternal so i put I, i just put that little seen missing due maternal reference in the video just as a little nudge <laughs> at those people like uh-huh, uh, I could I could mention Doom maternal right here but I'm not going to <laughs> but I'm gonna put this here just to irritate you <laughs> that that's been I, I'm I am working on a video that talks about this I think one of the most frustrating things that has come from this YouTube career has been people not understanding that challenge-based, player engagement is not unique to doom eternal Mm -hmm. doom eternal is not the only game to push you into its systems through challenge or restrictions on the player this Mm -hmm. like Resident Evil right I'll talk about this in my video like Resident Evil how do you play Resident Evil well what what is involved in playing Resident Evil well and enjoying the experience uh it's uh managing your inventory is exploring the map looking for important resources conserving ammo when possible uh avoiding combat situations when you can um like all of this stuff is involved in those are the systems of the game right mm-hmm. and you you have to get into those systems by the restrictions the game puts on the player they give you a small inventory they give you a slow movement speed they hide enemies beh- behind corners like uh, the the, the zombies do a lot of damage. Uh, you can't just drop items and pick them back up. All of these, all of these things create challenge that the player has to overcome. And they're not—it's not challenge based on combat. It's challenge based on resource management and exploration.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And and so that is a game like Doom Eternal that pushes you into its systems through challenge. And if you played Resident Evil for this first time, and They gave you like an infinite rocket launcher right from the start. The entire system would break down because there would be no need to manage your inventory because you wouldn't need to hold anything because you just have the rocket launcher. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't need to carry any health items because you would be able to kill everything. You wouldn't really need to explore for anything other than puzzle items because you don't you don't need to find ammo or health or anything. Mm -hmm. Right. Everything in the game would break down if the challenge didn't exist. And this is not something that people talk about, but we're talking about it now because Doom Eternal is the game that doubled down on that philosophy. And the developers the developers were actually going out in public repeatedly talking about this, talking about how challenge pushes the game, pushes the player into the game systems. And this is something that has always been true. It's just that this seems like the first time that developers are actually talking about it publicly and so that's why whenever i say oh man i i uh, i wish the ai in titanfall 2 were was good enough to make me want to use the game systems instead of them just existing in a vacuum and people are like why do you want everything to be do maternal like that's that is it's not just infuriating it's depressing mm-hmm. it's depressing that people don't realize that this is how you make good games and that a good game doesn't just have cool things you can do. A, a good game makes cool things actually have tangible effects on the gameplay. And uh, I will be doing a video about that in the next month or two.
0: Yeah, because it's like, it's interesting again that you bring that up because uh, even games that, you know, maybe aren't that their core function isn't to maybe push that idea on you. And of course, doom puts it in a way that, you know, it seamlessly transitions into different bits and you quickly learn which weapons are best for which, you know, like, uh, the grenade, um, the what's it? The grenade launcher part of the shotgun is, and the, uh, what's it? The precision shot for the, uh, machine gunner, best for taking out weak points and whatnot. But you learn that kind of in different games as well. And I know you've you've played Halo before. Uh, you did a video on it for your fifty thousand subscriber special, like. Even, even though it doesn't push you in that direction like you quickly learn that say like energy weapons are better against shields bullets are better against you know mm-hmm. uh, just organics and then of course obviously if you've gotten to the later levels you'll know that the flood in that game as well you can't melee the flood to death um, it's more derived that you're meant to aim for a very specific spot of the flood to kill them quicker so it, it, it right. puts forth this level of challenge but it also makes it enjoyable and I think the idea some people seem to confuse you know total reign to do whatever you want is the ultimate idea of fun but like as someone who's played games like say Grand Theft Auto or whatnot they don't really like giving you everything in the world to do doesn't make that experience fun I like being you know maybe given one aspect and being you know told what this does and then you get the ultimate sort of like I know serotonin booster the ultimate you know best most fun aspect out of it when you are able to chain together you know specific things that do what they're meant to do because it feels like you're progressing as a player not only within the game but playing the game how it was meant to be played if that makes sense
1: yeah i think the open world experience has really spoiled a lot of people hmm. uh, to where they think that that you know fun is that the game says go wherever you want do whatever you want use whatever your weapon you want nothing matters and i i don't i don't agree your halo example is really good i mean. I'm not a fan of Halo, but Halo is a very well-designed game, right? Like, the systems of the game involve um, using cover to recharge your health, right? Like, strategically placing your shots and giving yourself enough time to reload. Um, you know, uh, using, like, those plasma grenades to, sh- to, to stick the little guys, and then the little guys run back behind cover, and they blow up their friends. Hmm. Like, like, these are all the systems of the game that, that wouldn't exist if there was no challenge, right? Yeah. Like if you if you if you took Halo 1 and you gave Master Chief like a triple air dash and uh and you gave him like uh and you gave him the energy uh the, the energy sword uh oh, don't it, threaten that us with a good time <laughs> <laughs> it would break the entire game. And you wouldn't need to engage in any of the systems. Hmm. And and those systems are are fun those systems are are what make halo what it is Mm -hmm. now and now it's fun to replay games with you know infinite ammo cheats and whatever give yourself god mode yeah that's cool right but now you're just screwing around now you're not actually playing the game right and like i said if if in halo one you could double jump up in the air and do a triple air dash forward and then activate an invulnerability shield that recharges every five seconds and then go in and one hit melee everyone there would be no reason to engage in any of the game systems mm-hmm.
0: and, and it's not like and it's... The, but the
1: thing is there would be there would be people defending that design too that's what's crazy about it mm-hmm. there would be people defending that design and then criticizing you for not engaging in the game systems when the game actively sabotaged itself
0: mm-hmm. i i always find as well especially uh and just a to talk about Halo a bit more the interesting part about it is that you know it's very much rudimentary at the AI I think at the time were fantastically revolutionary with regards to to enemy AI Mm -hmm. within games and each of them kind of play off this synergy and we talk about a bit about Doom you know each demon has their own sort of you know role to play you know Uh, there's different attack variants and you know different ranges in which you engage them at and whatnot and different weapons you use Halo has this very like a complex AI system I would say in the sense that you know, if you meet a hunter, your initial first impression is that they're huge, like, and they're going to, you know, th- there's no way you can take them down. But, you know, you go behind them, you shoot them in the back and pretty much, I think in Halo 1, the pistol kills them in one shot, which is ridiculous. Um, But, <laughs> it, like, even if you come into a scenario where you have, you know, the big elites and then you have the little grunts, like, there's two, there's two ways in which you can approach that scenario that are equally as valid, uh, but still, you know, play off the core mechanics. You can, first of all, kill the little guys so you have more time to focus on the big guy. Or you can kill the big guy, and then that puts all the little guys into, like, sort of disrepair, and they don't know what to do. So it's two ways of approaching the same same game, or the same gameplay. And it's not limiting, in a sense. And this this idea of total freedom within a game, like, you know, it doesn't make a game fun. Like, because I, I have gone back to play Doom Eternal with the cheat codes on, like... I find so much more fun in starting up a new save with just the shotgun and working my way through the campaign again rather than sticking on all yeah. the cheat codes and going through a mission. Because there's no challenge in that, as you said, and there's no fun in that. Well, maybe there is at the first few times you play it, but over the long haul, you're going to get bored of it.
1: Yeah, it's it's what you do when you're seven years old, right? Mm. And you just want to give yourself god mode and run around and shoot things and watch them die, right?
2: Mm.
1: But like, we're, we're supposed to be a little more sophisticated than that, right? We're supposed to want a little bit more from our games these days, right? More than just run around and watch things die. And I and I get that there are people who work 10 hours a day, 12 hours a day, and they have a family and they work six days a week and they come home and they just want to sit on the couch and pop on a game and just run around with a shotgun for a little bit blasting people. Hmm. And they don't want the game to be more than that. And I get that, man. I, and, and for those people, I'm sorry, right? I'm sorry. <laughs> But we're doing but we're doing something important here. Uh we're raising the bar. And if you wanna do that, you can pick up any other game. And I'm sorry that, that you can't enjoy Doom Eternal uh without like having to think and engaging in, in the systems. Uh you know, but play Doom twenty sixteen, play any other shooter. Um, but uh we're we're trying to do something special here. And I'm uh it's a uh it's an unfortunate casualty of war i guess but uh we are in war for uh for game design here
0: mm-hmm. um i suppose i have one final question for you um and it's more just about going back to your content again where do you see it going in the future or where do you see what you're going to
1: work on in the future going so going into the future i'm not i'm not really sure that was that's why it was important for me to define myself not as a doom channel right from the start because i Mm want to do more things and uh i can't i'm not going to be talking about a lot of doom eternal strategy in two years it's just not going to be happening uh and i want to talk about other games that i think are interesting i want to talk about movies i want to have podcasts going talking to interesting people and Mm -hmm. you know as my doom content goes down, I mean, so will my traffic. And that's, you know, that, that's fine. I never set out to be a big YouTube star. It just, I just kind of happened to have success out of nowhere. And so um, uh, I, I feel like my channel will probably settle into kind of a niche thing hmm. with, uh, you know, a dedicated audience and uh, the occasional video that does very well. And, uh, you know, with that I'm I think I'd be pretty happy. And, but I, I definitely see myself, uh, you know, being a channel that people come to when the next doom game comes out, or if they do a reboot of quake or something like that, or there's something else for me to fall in love with. I think, I think people will, will be there for my channel in the future. Uh, and who knows what I might be talking about. Maybe I fall back in love with mortal Kombat four years from now Mm -hmm. and I become a big mortal Kombat strategy channel. I mean, anything could happen. It's just, uh, whatever, I haven- whatever I'm inspired to do, I'll do it. I don't want to force myself to make content just to retain certain viewers. Mm-hmm. I'm going to talk about what I think is cool and then I'll just go from there.
0: Perfect. Under the Mayo, thank you so much for sitting down and talking to me today.